0: morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It is good to see each and every one of you. And if you're new to NCC or maybe you're joining us for the first time online, welcome. My name is Aaron and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we are so glad that you're joining us with us this morning. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I had this amazing privilege to be at a super great party with our staff. okay. It was a murder mystery party. I think we have a photo of all of us up here um, on the screen that we're going to show. And you guys can see this is a 1920s, 1930s um, murder mystery party. We're going to get it. There we are right there. Don't we look good, you guys? Look at that right there. okay? So it was a super fun night. I don't know if any of you guys have been to a murder mystery party or even just a great party. I learned some stuff about people at that party. I learned my daughter-in-law, Zandra, is a great con artist, okay? She tricked almost all of us that night. We didn't know it, but she was playing the role of a a con artist. Um, I learned that Caleb and Alita are amazing to have at a party, okay? They were so much fun laughing, hanging out with people. We didn't find out till the end that they were really sick. They did not feel well, but they kind of coded over all of that. They did such a great job hanging out. We also learned that um, Adrian, many of you guys know him. He plays the drums for us. He could get away with murder, okay? He was the murderer that night. Almost no one knew it, okay? All of us trusted him. He was hanging out, having fun. We didn't know till the very end, yeah, that he was the person that actually um, murdered at that murder mystery party. I think only one person guessed that right. So it was a great time. I love being there. Like when I think about this group of people, I love hanging out with them, being around them. It was just f- such a fun time. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been, maybe you can think of a great party you've been to or. Maybe there's times where you're around people and you're like, I don't like to be around these people so much. Um, But we're going to talk about this today, about Jesus, a party that Jesus was at, what that interaction was like, and what we can learn from that. And I want you to take a moment and just reflect on this. Over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to be around people, aren't you? Some people that you love to be around, some people that it may be difficult to be around. And today we want to look at the life of Jesus and learn from his interactions and see maybe what God is challenging us with. This holiday season. We're in this series called Tag a Friend and we're looking at stories from the life of Jesus, stories from the Bible where people would interact with Jesus and not only was their life impacted, not only was their life made different, but others around them, friends, family members. We talked last week how a whole town was impacted because of one young woman and her interaction with Jesus. And so that's what we're looking at in this series. And so we're going to start by looking at this scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9. And this is the story that we're going to be looking at today. Um, And so this is what it says. You guys can see this along with me as I read this. Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. And his disciples. The Pharisees asked, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners. I want you to take a second and just reflect on what's happening in this story. This is. Jesus' interaction, I know it doesn't specifically say this, but this is a party, you guys, okay? Matthew throws a party because he's had this interaction with Jesus, and there's all of these different kinds of people there at the party and surrounding the party, and we see Jesus' response, who his heart was for and what's going on here at this party. Now, I want you to think about the next few weeks of your life because you're going to be maybe in a similar situation to this. There are going to be people that you're around, students, You're going to have Christmas parties, maybe in your class, right? Or maybe around the sports stuff that you do or friends that are hanging out together. Um, Parents, adults, you guys are going to have parties, maybe with neighbors or maybe at your workplace, they throw an annual Christmas party. Maybe it's with family members. You have extended family that comes over, okay? And I want you to think about where those people are going to be like, what that interaction is going to be like at those parties, okay? You are going to be around people this holiday season who, although there are a lot of people around them they feel isolated and alone. According to a survey done last year, 55% of adults in America say, around the holidays, I have the holiday blues. I feel like no one wants me around. I feel like I just need to stay kind of to myself. I mean, that's pretty crazy. One out of two people say that that's what they feel like. Although we're around a lot of people, sometimes it feels like we're isolated and alone. And I'm sorry, but if you're a general Zer, that's 75%. So three out of four people feel like, hey, no one really wants me around. I shouldn't be there. So if you have young adults in your life or even younger, you know, teenagers, like that's a feeling that many of them carry around of I'm always around people. There's crowds of people around me, but I don't really feel like I belong. I don't feel like I can really connect with others. I don't have a community around me. And many times that's because we're great as a culture of creating tribes. Like we can rally around a cause or a movement, right? Or some kind of political view, and yet we're really bad at creating community. When there is difference, we struggle with connecting with people a lot of times. Tribes are where we rally together around the same thought. Community is, I stopped talking long enough to actually listen. And you see things differently than me, but that's okay. We can talk, we can still connect, we can still be friends. There is community here. We're in this together. And we're bad about that sometimes around the culture, but you're going to be around people that feel like that, that think differently than you, that maybe act differently than you, and because of that, they feel isolated, alone. They feel like, I really shouldn't be here. And then let's be honest, there are going to be other people at the party that feel like they should be there, but you're going to feel like you shouldn't be here, right? Like, it's difficult to be around some people. Let me tell you about some people that you're going to be around this holiday season. Once again, maybe co-workers or family members, people that you know, maybe even some friends that are difficult friends. You're going to be around the critic, aren't you? You're going to walk into that holiday party. You're high-fiving people. You're hugging your uncles and your aunts, and that person's going to walk up and say, Honey, that sweater does not go with that outfit. Did you bring a change of clothes? You probably want to get changed before we take pictures. You don't want to embarrass yourself or you don't want to embarrass others. That outfit does not work for you. And you're like, seriously? I just bought this. This is brand new. Like, I love this. You're going to be around the critic. It's so hard to be around that person, right? Like, they're always just kind of taking all of the fun or out of the room or the fun of what's going on. You're going to be around um, someone who's like the wet blanket. They're always negative. Like, you tried to brag about your kids like, hey, my kids made the honor roll. I know, but our school system's just so horrible, they probably didn't even really get an A. And you're like, seriously? I just want to brag. I'm proud of my kids, right? Or you're like, I got a promotion at my job. Yes, like, it's so exciting. I know, but our economy's going down. Like, you're probably going to get fired next year because it's just so bad, right? You're around the wet blanket, the person that's just always negative, and you're trying to be upbeat. You're trying to be excited, but you're like, I just want to walk away from this conversation, right? Like, there's that person, there's... There's the person that just emotionally steamrolls everyone, over everyone, right? Like, they don't care about your emotions. They're going to say whatever they want to say. They're going to do whatever they want to do. They don't consider anyone else around them. Okay, there's the person that's always in crisis. Like, maybe you love them. They're so nice. But everything is falling apart in their life, and you're like, please don't let me sit next to them at Thanksgiving. Please, please just give me a different chair, right? Because everything, like relationships are falling apart, and it's always a bad report at the doctor, and it doesn't matter what's happening, their life is always crumbling. Like, you're going to be around those people, and that's difficult at times. Like, it's hard to be around them, but those are some of the interactions that we're going to have. And so, I want you to do something for me. If you could, um, if you're here in person, when you sit down, there's a card that says the one. Um, we've been doing this um, this year at different times. If you're online, maybe just get a sheet of paper. You don't need something specific. And maybe just take a moment. Think if you have a pen, you can write this down. Or if you have your phone, you can write that down. But just think about who is your holiday one? Who's the person when you look beyond the surface on the inside? They're hurting, they feel isolated, they feel alone. And you're gonna be around them. You're gonna interact with them. Who's the person that thinks differently than you, acts differently than you, behaves differently than you, and maybe because of that, sometimes they feel on the outside? Who is that person? Maybe just write down their name. Who's that person that it's difficult to be around because they're gonna criticize? Everything's always negative. They're like the wet blanket in the conversation. Maybe they're the emotional steamroller. Their life is always in crisis. And you're like, it's so hard to be around them. Like, I know I need to. I know I'm going to interact with them, but it's difficult. Maybe just take a moment and just think about them. Write down their name in your phone or on that card. Just think about, God, who is my one this holiday? Who have you called me to be around? I want us to look at the life of Jesus and see who he was around and what his interactions were like and how that may change our interactions this holiday season. The first thing that we see in this story right here is Jesus loves the outcast. I can't say that enough. Jesus loves the outcast. His heart is for those that are broken, those that are marginalized. Jesus looks for them. He seeks them out. All throughout the scriptures we see this. Jesus loves the outcast, the one that's put on the edges of society. We talked about this last week, but Jesus does not follow many of the cultural norms. And we see this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is what it says right here. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, many times we read a story like this, if you've read the Bible, and we we miss a part of it because we kind of bring it automatically right into our modern times, right? And so we picture this story happening in 2022, right, maybe around April, And there's always that tax person sitting in Walmart or some department store, and they're there to do your taxes, right? And so we picture Jesus walking up to this person saying, hey, come and follow me. And that um, young woman or that young man's like, okay, I'm following you, Jesus. But that's not really what's happening. This isn't like an accountant or someone that is a tax collector like we think of. They kind of help you do your taxes. This was different in this culture and society. And so in this time, a tax collector worked for the enemy. They worked for Rome. Rome, if you're familiar with any of the stories in the scripture at this time during the time of Jesus, was oppressing the people, the nation of Israel. They had come in and through war, through torture, through imprisonment, through starvation, through poverty, through all of these ways, they had oppressed this nation into submission to basically saying, okay, Caesar will follow your lead. And if you didn't, you were going to die. And tax collectors worked for the Roman government. So when you walk by that tax collector's booth, like, that was the enemy right there. I was trying to think of how can I help you understand this? It would be like your neighbor that you walk out and you wave to, you know, while you're getting your mail. Hey, how's it going? How are the wife and kids? How's life going? How's job going? If you found out one day they were working for a terrorist group that was bombing America and taking the lives of Americans, and that feeling inside of you, like, that's not okay, Right? That's, the end. that's what it was like. You're starting to get that. If you can imagine whatever crime you think that someone's committed where you're like, hey, they deserve justice. They should be thrown in prison. You know, that jail cell locked up, the key thrown away. Like, That's kind of that feeling. You're starting to get that. The Jewish people had towards ca- tax collectors. They are the enemy. There was hatred there. And what does Jesus do? He walks up and says, Matthew, I want to get to know you. Matthew, I want you to be close to me. Matthew, everyone else avoids eye contact. Like, don't look at Matthew when you walk by. You know, like that kind of thing. Jesus says, no, I'm inviting you into my circle of friends. Like, we're going to do life together. We're going to spend the next three years laughing, sitting around a campfire, talking, encouraging each other, praying for each other. Like, what I'm doing? Matthew, I think you could do this. He was saying this to the enemy. That's what Jesus does. He loves the outcast, you guys. This wasn't just someone that you're like, oh, they're not really fun to be around. This was someone people hated. And Jesus said, let me bring you close to me. He said, Matthew, everyone else has pushed you on the outside of community. I'm telling you, I'm the doorway back in. Let me bring you back into conversations with other people. You don't have to live by yourself anymore. Jesus was a master at this of taking people disconnected and saying, let me bring you back into relationship with God. He looked for them. He loved them. He gave his life for them. This is what Jesus constantly did. It was probably awkward for everyone else around. And Jesus said, no, Matthew belongs in the kingdom of God. I want him to know God. I want him to have a relationship with God. I'm bringing him back into the the family, like that's in essence what he is saying. I read a powerful story um, that's an image of this, of Jesus loving the outcasts, a reflection of this. In the, um, just almost a couple of hundred years ago, there was a guy that was studying to become a Catholic priest. His name was Damian. He didn't do really well in school, didn't do great in language study or any of that, and so they sent him to Hawaii. I know what we're thinking. Oh, man, I'd love to go to Hawaii on a mission trip. But it wasn't like that, okay? Um, Hawaii at that time, um, 1850s, was its own kind of nation state, and it had a king, and it was really struggling struggling with leprosy. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but a skin disease that's very contagious, and and it was struggling with that. So the king declared, we're going to make a leper colony and isolated them to one part of the island, one of the larger islands there in Hawaii, isolated them and really cut off resources, communication, didn't allow them to leave. It was basically a death sentence. If you had leprosy, just go there to die. And that's where Damien was sent. And he said he came over the kind of mountain range and was looking into the valley where the leper colony is, and he made a decision in his mind, I'm going to live among these people. The goal was they would rotate kind of the priests in and out, the pastors in and out, so that no one would have to be in the leper colony too long so that you wouldn't get it. But Damien said, no, I choose to live among them. I choose to be there. For 16 years, he gave his life to them. He helped them learn how to plant crops. He built schools. He built houses. He brought in medical care so the suffering pain they were going through was relieved a little bit. Like he gave his life to them, like everything he did. He never left. He chose to live there. After 16 years, he wrote in his journal one night he had boiled some water and was pouring himself a bath. And he said, When I went to step in, I looked down and my foot is in the boiling water. It's red. It's starting to blister because the water was so hot and I felt nothing. And I knew in that moment, I am a leper. I'm not ministering to lepers anymore. Like I am a leper. And he had written in his journal, God, I choose to be a leper to reach lepers so that some of them might come to know your love. Jesus, that's what I give my life to. And after about two years, he died of the disease that took over his body and, and he was just devastated. He died. This priest that struggled to do well in school, that everyone thought he kind of got isolated to the edge of the world, statues were built in his honor. Newspapers in Europe were writing about him. He was eventually given sainthood within the Catholic Church because he was a reflection of Jesus. He loved the outcast. The people that the world said, hey, you're getting pushed out on the edges. No one wants anything to do with you. He said, I'll go and live among them because that's what Jesus would do. That's how Jesus lived his life, you guys. Now, I doubt any of us in this room are going to be called to go do that. Like you're probably not going to be called to go live among lepers. But you're going to be around difficult people this holiday season. And you're going to be around people who feel isolated and who feel alone. And my question is, will you reflect Jesus? Will you love the outcast like he did? Will you choose to be near to them? Will you choose to have conversations? Will you choose to be friends and open up your life and build community with them, even though they may be different from you? That's what Jesus did so well. He loved the outcast. My second thought as I read through this passage is this right here. It's, are you on the inside or the outside of the party? Are you on the inside or on the outside of the party? In just one chapter earlier, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus warns the religious people about this. This is what Matthew 8, 11 said. He said, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, and they will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And then he tells them, but many of you religious people, you're going to be on the outside of that party. Here's what happened is they had gotten in their minds. God only loves us. He doesn't love other people. God only loves you if you can follow this long list of rules. And if you do it like we say that you should do it, that's how it's got to be. And Jesus says, you got to be careful because God's heart is for the outcast. God's heart is for the broken. God's heart is for the lonely. That's who God is wanting to reach. And Jesus is on the inside. And I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about this story that we just read, but it's kind of comical. The Pharisees are on the outside. How do they know what's happening? Right? Like, I started to think about that. Wait, how did they know what's going on? And so during that time, like, a lot of the houses, they didn't have AC, and it was like, you know, Texas out there, right? So they built these large windows without glass just to get a little bit of the breeze blowing through. So I picture the Pharisees sticking their head in the window. Like, what's going on in there? Like, what's happening? And then they see Jesus sitting down and eating, right? That's what it says in Matthew nine ten. He's sitting down having dinner with tax collectors and sinners, and he came and ate with them and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher do that? I picture them like, hey, Peter, James, John, come here. Like, why is he eating with those people? What's going on? And you have to understand, once again, their perspective. Some of the phrases from that time that came about was, a companion or a friend of sinners should be driven away from society. That was their thought is who Jesus is hanging out with. They're like, you don't hang out with them. Like they should be forced to the edge of the town. Anyone who collects taxes and enters into a house, all in that house are defiled. These are actual writings from the first century. Anyone who collects taxes and enters into a house, all people in that house are defiled. This is how horrible that they thought they were. And this is who Jesus chooses to eat with. And he's on the inside And the religious people are on the outside looking in like, what's going on? It's because God's heart is for the broken and the isolated. This is what he does. And I just need to remind you of some things here this morning that we sometimes forget in the church. And that is this right here. It's sin is not contagious like that. You can't catch it. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I think we think that. No, I know there's temptation, and, and we do have to be careful and guard our heart, but just sitting next to someone whose behavior is different than yours, like, you're not going to catch hell, okay? Like, you're not going to get that. Oh, no, it's on me. I'm not going to go to heaven, and, and I'm going to be condemned to hell. Like, that's not how that works at all, but sometimes we act like that, don't we? And I want you to stop and think about this. Jesus is sitting next to the woman who was sleeping around with different husbands in that community, and he was talking with her, and he was okay with that. Now, let me be clear, not okay with the sin, but he's okay with having interactions and listening to her conversations. Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and laughing and telling stories, and he's okay with that, right? He's sitting next to drunkards, and people were accusing Jesus, hey, you're sinning, you're getting drunk, and he was not, but he was sitting next to drunkards, and he was okay with that. See, Jesus saw the brokenness of their sin and he saw beyond the surface and he knew they're hurting on the inside and I've been called to minister to them. That's what I've been called to do. And so many times, church, we're like the religious people on the outside. We're afraid of catching something. We're trying to peek in like what's going on in the world. And Jesus says, why don't we open up our hearts and get a little bit closer to build with community with those that are hurting? Why don't we step out of these four walls and bridge relationships with people that desperately need God who are struggling with issues of confusion in their life who are going through all different kinds of things depression and doubt and they desperately need a follower of Jesus in their life and if you're just on the outside you're not going to connect with him Jesus said you got to get on the inside of the party and it's pretty amazing Jesus keeps getting invited to parties I'm guessing he was a pretty fun guy to be around because people keep inviting him, right? You don't invite the horrible person that's going to be the party crasher. Like You invite the person that you want there and he keeps getting invited and people's lives continue to be changed. This is what we see. He loves the outcast. This is what Jesus does. We need to remember that in our lives and we need to reflect Christ and what he is doing. The last thing is Jesus' heart is for the one. His heart's for the one. In Matthew nine twelve, he reminds the religious people, On hearing this, Jesus said, hey, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's those that are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners to myself. He's reminding them, my heart is for the one that's lost. My heart is for the one that's on the outside. My heart is for the prostitute and the tax collector and the sinner, the one that's on the outside. That's who I'm trying to reach. I want to help them come back to God. I want them to understand the love of God. I want them to be at the party in heaven, the feast that God's going to throw. Like, I want them on the inside. I don't want them on the outside. That's the heart of Jesus. That's his desire is to bring them in. You and I are going to be around people like this, this holiday season. My question is, are you going to be more like Jesus? Or are you going to be more like the Pharisees? And I want to acknowledge there are difficult people in our families, right? There are people that it is hard to be around, that it's difficult, it's a struggle, and yet we are still called to love like Jesus. We're still called to reflect Christ in all that we do. Can I tell you this? The greatest gift you will give to your family, to friends, to people that are hurting this holiday season will be the most expensive and costly gift, and that is the gift of grace, the gift of your presence. It's not going to come wrapped with a bow and pretty paper, although we'll have lots of fun giving gifts to each other. It's going to be you giving yourself. Stop talking long enough to listen and to say, hey, what's really going on in your life? To stop long enough to say, Holy Spirit, is there something you want to bring to this conversation? Is there something you want me to say to someone that I'm going to be around and they need a word of encouragement? They need to know that they're loved by God. How can I reflect you? Jesus loves the outcasts, you guys. And I want us to respond in a few ways this morning. I want to ask if you'd maybe take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect. Start by reflecting on what I'm talking about. You may be here this morning. Maybe you're in person. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe someone shared this with you, and you feel like you're on the outside. You have felt maybe all your life like I'm disconnected from God and I'm disconnected from the church. And Aaron, if God knows what I'm doing, there's no way God wants to be a part of my life. But I'm telling you, he does. He loves you. He wants to be with you. The story of the Bible, and I want you to hear this, is God trying to reconnect us in relationship with him. It's that we had sinned. We had chosen to do things our own way. And it broke our relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he walked here on this earth. This was his teaching. I've come for the lost. I've come for those that are hurting. So he walked here on the earth. He gave his life. He went to the cross. He died for our sins, not because he had done anything wrong. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could be brought back into relationship with God. He was resurrected out of the grave after three days. He was dead, and yet he came back to life to show us we could have power over the things that try to hold us back. Death no longer had to hold us. Sin no longer had to hold up, have a hold on our life. God is victorious, and he's inviting us into his victory. That's the story of the scriptures. And if you're here, I want you to know this. God wants a relationship with you. He's walking by your workplace every day. He's walking by your house. He's walking by your car. He's walking by you just like he did with Matthew He's saying, come and follow me. Come, I want a relationship with you. And if that's you, no matter where you feel like you're at, no matter what you feel like is going on in your life, God wants a relationship with you. He wants to show you his design, his plan and his purpose for your life. And all you have to do is accept it. So I'm going to lead us in this prayer. This prayer is very simple. It acknowledges our sin. God, I know I've messed up. It says, God, I need your forgiveness. I can't fix myself on my own. And it's inviting him into a relationship with us. God, I want you to be a part of my life. And so I'm going to ask all of us to pray this. You may be praying it for the first time, or you may have said this before. I want all of us to say this out loud, even if you're at home by yourself, because we don't want anyone praying this alone. Let's repeat this together. Jesus, I come to you. I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. I need your forgiveness. So I believe in what the Bible says. That you died and rose again for me. And so I pray, be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sins. And give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. let's put our hands together and celebrate. You guys, I smile every week because this is my favorite part of the service, because if anyone has been disconnected from God, the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing and partying and celebrating when we come back to Christ and when we say, God, I felt disconnected, but Lord, I want you in my life. That all of heaven rejoices, and if you prayed that prayer, we are so excited for you this morning, and we want to help you grow. And a simple first step that we want to encourage you with here at NCC is to go to newcommunity.co/connecttrack. So newcommunity.co/connecttrack, and it's a simple class where we want to help you along with others that are going to be in that class talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus. Maybe you don't know, maybe you've never read the Bible, but we're going to help you understand when we talk about God saving us from our sins, what does that mean and how do we have a relationship with God? We're going to help you connect with others, connect with the church, and really enter into the life that God wants to have for you.